0: Happy Memorial Day, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Two Stripes podcast, the podcast for you, the college football fan. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, coming to you on Sunday, May 28, 2017. You're probably listening to this, though, on Monday, the 29th, Memorial Day, so want to wish everybody a happy Memorial Day and hope that you've been able to spend this elongated weekend with family and friends and enjoy whatever it is that you are doing. I think I got a fun show for you guys today, one that you'll really enjoy. I know I enjoyed the interview talking all things Mississippi State football with Justin Strawn of ForWhomTheCowBellTolls.com. But before we get into that, I just want to remind everybody where you can find the show. There's multiple ways you can do so. First, you can go to soundcloud.com slash pod, Find all the old episodes of the Two Stripes podcast right there. Or go on iTunes and search the Two Stripes podcast. You can listen, subscribe, review, all of that good stuff over there. And every week, I've been checking on the uh, the SoundCloud, and it shows the stats, and I'm seeing the subscribers jump up a little bit, so I see you guys over there, and I, I very much appreciate anybody that has subscribed to the show. I, I see y'all creeping in the background, and if you enjoy the show, please be sure to go onto iTunes and leave a review, leave a comment about what you like, what you don't like about the show. Anything to help more people find the show is always very much appreciated by me, but I see you guys lurking in the background, and uh, I appreciate it and and hope you enjoy the show and hope I can keep this thing rolling for you guys into the 2017-18 college football season. Enough of that, though. Let's get into the show. Uh, It's pretty crazy that Dan Mullen has been at Mississippi State for almost a decade now. I think during the interview... I mistakenly said that Mullen was headed into his tenth season in Starkville, but this is his ninth season, almost a decade though, which which is absolutely crazy, I think. But when you when you look around the SEC, it's wild to see that outside of Nick Saban and Dan Mullen, almost every single coach either has uncertainty or is on the hot seat basically the whole sec west outside of mullen and nick saban it's gus melzahn at auburn there's uncertainty brett Bielema, he's been in arkansas long enough to have people wonder whether or not that they're going to take the next step obviously kevin sumlin and a&m getting off to a hot start every year and then cooling off in november and even at lsu with Ed Orgeron, even though this will be his first full season as a head coach, I still think that there's a lot of uncertainty in Baton Rouge with him leading the program going forward. And then, of course, and something we get into in the episode, everything that has gone on at Ole Miss with Hugh Freeze and all the off-the-field allegations in the NCAA investigation. So basically the whole SEC West outside of those two guys – is kind of a mess right now I think coaching wise and at this time next season I would be very surprised if there isn't at least one new coach and possibly even two in that division after the 2017 season is all said and done. So getting into Dan Mullen in the Mississippi State program Last Thursday, I had the chance to speak with the managing editor of For ForWhomTheCowbellTolls.com, Justin Strawn, about Mississippi State football, where it stands right now, what people think about the job that Dan Mullen has done, kind of how the program is positioned moving forward, and what the 2017 season is going to look like. Mississippi State is always one of my favorite programs to watch from afar and see what they do because it's such a brutal division. And when you're playing Alabama LSU every single year, and we've seen Ole Miss in the last three or four seasons be uh, nationally relevant and be one of the top 15 teams in the country outside of last season. But when you're going through that gauntlet of playing those teams and then having to play Texas A&M and Arkansas, and then some of the teams from the sec East every year, It's a very hard job, and I think that Dan Mullen has carved out a nice space for that program. We saw what he did with Dak Prescott and company over the last three seasons prior to 2016, and now they they move into a, a new era of Mississippi State football, but I still think that they're in a good place, and it was fun to get to talk to Justin about the program and where it's headed. So... We might as well get right into it. Here is Justin Strawn talking Mississippi State Bulldogs football. It is time to talk Mississippi State football, and to do that, I am joined by the brand new managing editor of For com, Justin Strawn. Justin, first of all, congratulations. Uh, how are you liking the new job?
1: I like it. I'm enjoying it. I've been with, the, I've been with- for him, Calitols for a little under a year now. So when Ethan stepped down, I uh, thought I'd go ahead and give it a shot. So we're up and running now.
0: Well, somebody who has been on the job a long time that we are going to talk about is Dan Mullen. How crazy is it that we are approaching a decade of Dan Mullen in Starkville? It's pretty bizarre.
1: I mean, because most people, when he took the job, either he wasn't that extremely. No, well-known before he took him. Mean, he was the offensive coordinator at Florida, but Urban Meyer was the guy who got all the credit for that offense and everything about that. So people didn't really think that much about Dan Mullen as a potential head coaching candidate coming out of that job. Uh, but people thought either, A, he'd fail, or B, if he succeeded, he'd be gone after a couple of years. Now, he's had opportunities. He's, he's uh, had job openings that he's interviewed for and stuff like that, but he's always stayed there. Uh, he's done... A lot for the school, and the fact that he's it, it seems like, unless there is just the absolute perfect job, and I don't know what that would be for him, he's going to stick around for
0: the long run. Looking at Mississippi State, the last three or so seasons in 2014, of course, was you know the real magical year in mid season, they're ranked number one, they win 10 games, they go to the Orange Bowl, 2015, they win nine games, win the Belk Bowl. And then last year was kind of a weird season. They start the year off by losing to South Alabama at home. And you fast forward to the finishing game, the closing game of the season, and they stomp Ole Miss by 35 points on the road, but finish 5-7, and seven, but managed to go to a bowl and beat Miami of Ohio to go 6-7. and seven. How would you assess the last three seasons for Mississippi State? And what, what's the overall health? of the program like headed into 2017
1: you know it's so hard to figure out i mean because when you look at 2014 2015 you, you have to be completely satisfied obviously 2014 you're going to put that you know at like an a plus i mean there's that was far better than what even the most most optimistic fans would have even thought of so the 2015 was also a really good year, Dak Prescott's final year. is the one that launched him into his successful pro career as a uh, rookie quarterback at the Dallas Cowboys, so you're happy with that. Then what you have last year, which is just the odd year. And while I would say that's probably around the C for last year just because it, everything didn't go as well as you wanted to. You lose to South Alabama. You lose to Kentucky for the first time under Dan Long, but you still beat Ole Miss in your rival. You still get to a bowl game, even if it was, as a 5-17. and 17. You still win six games, and you're now getting a proven defensive coordinator over Peter Sermon, who led one of who led the absolute worst defense I've ever seen take the field for Mississippi State. So you at least think you got a chance on defense. Mississippi
0: State, Ole Miss, is one of my favorite rivalries to watch from afar. And, like, I can't even front. I get a kick out of watching these two fan bases just tear each other <laughs> apart on Twitter. So from yeah. a, a Mississippi State perspective, what's it been like watching all of the stuff, the off-field stuff, go on with Ole Miss and the NCAA?
1: You know, it's it's been interesting, I'll say that. Uh, just because I just think the different reactions from both fan bases, really, have just been... Not necessarily what you would expect. I guess, I mean, the Ole Miss fans, they've dug their heels in behind Freeze. They have gotten to the point where they think, at first, they denied that it was ever going to be an issue. Then once that second or amended NLA, however you want to phrase it, came out, it was basically, they went from, okay, well, yeah, obviously something's happened, but it's only because we beat Alabama twice. It's only because this is a witch hunt against Hugh Freeze's face. So it's been interesting to watch their reaction. And it's just been fun for Mississippi State fans. Because they've, I mean, it's been fun to watch. I mean, for years. I mean, this is one thing you may not realize about the rivalry. For probably 20 plus years, Mississippi State fans have been saying that this has been going on at all Miss, but it just never has really come out. And finally, it's it's broken and it's gotten here, and now it's it's like early Christmas for, for Mississippi State. Fans.
0: <laughs> so, so flipping into to this season and Mississippi State quarterback Nick Fitzgerald. He moves into his second year as the starter in Starkville, and we'll get to how good he is as a runner here in a second, but completed 54% of his passes in his first season at just over 6.5 yards per attempt, but he also threw for 21 touchdowns, and you could definitely do worse for a first-year starter in the SEC, but what have been the early reports on him and from spring ball about his improvement as a passer heading into 2017?
1: The one thing that people are going to look at, and um, because let me preface before I say this, people are going to look at the spring game and say they threw 3-5 interceptions, and people are going to think, obviously, he's regressed. Uh, I don't think you can take away anything from the spring game. Uh, that's the one thing I think that is the biggest takeaway, and it's very hard to get a good read on it. Most people said going in spring practice, those who got the chance to actually watch it thought that he looked – more comfortable in the passing game, but the problem is when you get to a spring game where it's it's just a scrimmage, you can't... He's not running the football. That part of his game is taken away. He's got... He had a ton of his offensive players, offensive weapons weren't available for the spring game. And one of the things I've always said about Nick Fitzgerald, I don't think he is a practice player. I think he is... He just has a really hard time, you know, just completely showing what he's capable of and in practice. He needs that competitive edge from an actual game for him to get the most out. Of. Because once we saw that he was supplanted as the starter and they started to tailor the offense around him last year, he blew up. I mean, he, his numbers just went up dramatically, drastically. But when it was still kind of this weird phase where it was like, will he be the starter? Won't he be the starter? And he was still having to try to prove things in practice. It wasn't going that great for him early in the season, but once he was cemented as the guy, he took off. And I think that's where you have to really look for the growth for him in going into this offseason and into the season next year.
0: It seems like, too, Dan Mullen is is the type of guy and treats his quarterbacks as such, especially with one that's growing like Nick Fitzgerald, that, like, hey, if you go out and throw five interceptions in the spring game— you might as well let it fly in spring ball and get that out before you get to the regular season.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely true and I also think that from what at least from what Fitzgerald told us after the uh, the spring game was over was, you know, he didn't really, he hadn't really had that much experience with the grant defense and it was such a different look from what Sermon had shown in the previous season uh, that, you know, you're not that worried about it just because he hasn't he wasn't that he hadn't seen it that much. He hadn't played with it that much. And a lot of the spring, from what I understand, was about getting the new signee, who was an early enrollee, Keaton Thompson, and getting him more comfortable with the offense, getting him more, because he's probably going to step into a backup role. You know, God forbid he has to actually get serious playing time next year, but you never know. With him having to come in and be the backup, he had to be. they had to get him as comfortable with the offense as
0: possible, as early as possible. Looking into some of his weapons that he's going to have at wide receiver, outside of senior... Donald Gray, it seems like, at least from the outside, that there's a lot of unknowns or just younger guys that are going to have to step into their roles out wide for him. How, how do you think Mississippi State is going to fare at wide receiver this year? Do you think that by midseason or by the end of the year that he's going to have three or four solid weapons or at least two options outside of a guy like Donald Gray
1: I think he can but that is the big that, that's the big question surrounding
0: Mississippi State in
1: the offseason is who's going to step up at receiver and, and will somebody step up at receiver Donald Gray has the potential he's uh, he can do good things but it's it's going to he's going to have to take a big step forward even himself going into his senior season so it's going to be a uh, big leap for him, but then you got to look at they lost one of their best slot receivers in Malik Deer, who's likely out for the year. Uh, he ended up having to have I think ACL surgery, or MCL. He had to have uh, surgery done that's usually a season ender. Uh, so you look at guys, the guys you start to look at are maybe some of the uh, redshirt freshmen, or guys, the freshmen who played a little bit last year, somebody like Jamal Couch. Uh, somebody, also the one guy that i kind of keep my eye on is Keith Mixon. He was the backup slot to Malik Derry When he had opportunities, he made the most of them. Uh, it's just a matter of will he be able to fill a, a bigger role on the team this year. So those are the guys that you're kind of looking forward to. There's some other players that might be able to step up and have good years, but that's the biggest question going into this, this all season for, for, the, for the Bulldogs is can they get enough out of their receivers for the offense to go at the normal pace that we've seen with Dan
0: Mullen at the helm. What Mississippi State can do, is run the ball, and the Bulldogs were pretty damn awesome on the ground last season. They finished 2016 7th in rushing S&P+. Nick Fitzgerald was 2nd in the SEC in rushing yards and 1st if you take away sacks, which is like is crazy to me that you would have a quarterback rush for over 1,400 yards without sacks, and even before then, almost 1,400 yards if you keep in the sack numbers. And given the uncertainty at wide receiver that you mentioned and needing guys to step up, how much do you expect the offense to continue to revolve around him and a guy like running back Eris Williams? Well, last year
1: after the Kentucky game, before the Arkansas game, we started a, a hashtag at, for Tolls. It was a hashtag always run, never pass. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how good of it. It's not because that Nick Fitzgerald can't throw the ball. He can throw the ball just fine. It's just that you are so good in the running game. Do that unless you absolutely – have to throw the football. I mean, that's how talented – because that was probably the biggest disappointment from last season was Danville, and at first, probably for the first half of the season, tried to keep that same offense that he had with Dak Prescott, this uh, passing game, keep it in the intermediate passing game, a balanced 50% run, 50% pass. He tried to use that as the basis for his offense. Well, Nick Fitzgerald, he might get there by the time he's a senior or maybe even next year as a junior, but right in his sophomore year, he wasn't, he wasn't there. But they've got an elite runner at quarterback. They've got a really good runner at running back in Eris Williams. His stats don't jump off at the, out, off the page at you like uh, Fitzgerald's do, but simply because of the fact that he wasn't really the feature back until maybe November of last year. If you look at his stats from November uh, through the bowl game, you see just what he's capable of. So the Bulldogs can run the football, and – they're basically just going to line it up. If they are smart, they're going to line the ball up and they're going to run it down your throats and basically dare you to stop them. Because especially Nick Fitzgerald, he has he has legit breakaway speed. You look at some of his runs last year, he finds the smallest seam that most people wouldn't be able to get more than 5 or 10 yards down. He turns them into 70-yard gains. I mean, he's that elite of a runner. So I do wonder if that will hold him back a little bit in the passing game because if you're so good in the running game, it makes you wonder if you're going to be able to trust your arm as much as your your legs, but the Bulldogs can run. And as long as they can do that, they're going to keep themselves in games.
0: I'm glad you brought up Eris Williams kind of surging at the end of the season. If you look at from the Texas A&M game on November 5th to the bowl game against Miami of Ohio, that's the last five games of the year. He rushed for 514 yards. So if you don't know who Aris Williams is in the SEC, yeah, you definitely should keep your eye on him. And with him and Nick Fitzgerald, that's going to be a pretty devastating one-two punch for the Bulldogs in the backfield. And looking at the offensive line, three starters from last year's great run blocking unit are gone. How much concern is there that the running game is going to take a big step back, even with those guys in the backfield? And are, are there proven or at least experienced players that are stepping into those roles, or is Mississippi State looking at starting either freshmen or retro freshmen or sophomores, at especially the tackle spots?
1: They'll be okay. I mean, I think that's one thing that we've kind of learned from. The one thing that Mississippi State has always had, they've always had at least a serviceable offensive line. Now, last year in 2015, they got pounded because of the fact that they were terrible at pass blocking, which they were. Uh, Dak Prescott, whenever there was a decent pass rush, he got sacked way too much. That was the only reason that they lost their four games. Any team that had a decent pass rush got to them. And they got off to a bad start in 20. 16 as well but once they they've always done really well in the run blocking scheme one of the things that they did last year like i said when they were trying to do this hybrid offense where they were equal they were balanced running and passing it didn't go so well they didn't block very well at that time but once they decided you know what we're going to be a smash mouth football team we're going to run as much as we can until the other team just makes us throw the football that's when they excel and the guys that are coming in they the guys that will be taking their place they should be okay. The one thing that Mississippi State fans give John Hevesy, the offensive line coach, crap for all year long, is his recruiting. Is he's never been a very good recruiter. He, he rarely gets anything above a three star recruit onto campus and onto the team. But the one thing he has been able to do he's always gotten his offensive line ready whenever they can, wherever they need to play. He can put he's got he's got them where they can play guard, center, tackle. It doesn't matter. He can move them around. And that's one thing that we saw with Elgin Jenkins who started off the year at tackle, but once they moved him into guard, he just excelled. He just became a road grader. Uh, he, was, he looked more like uh, Gabe Jackson who played for the Bulldogs back in, uh, in 2013. He looked, he looked like Gabe Jackson out there, and that was at the guard spot. So that's the one thing that John Hepsey has been able to do. He's been able to get those guys to play whatever position he needs them to on the offensive line to get production.
0: Earlier on, you mentioned Todd Grantham coming in at defensive coordinator, spent the last three seasons over at Louisville. What kind of defense or what kind of changes in philosophy or attacking can we expect from Todd Grantham's first defense at Mississippi State? Well, the one thing I think that we can expect is I uh, at least I think we'll actually get a stop every now and then.
1: Uh, I, I mean, You need it, to do that to win. You do. I mean, that's the biggest thing because when people will start talking about Nick Fitzgerald and the impact he could have this year. People say, well, he only went five and seven last year, six and seven with the bowl game. If you look at what the reason for and this is the reason I always get so frustrated with people saying, you know, a quarterback was has a such and such record. The, the wins and losses aren't just because of the quarterback. But the reason Mr. State lost in the games last year was because their defense couldn't stop anybody, especially in the secondary. Their secondary got torched left and right. Uh, it was just impossible to just sit there and watch as a fan. You're like, can we not stop anybody? Literally during the Arkansas game, they didn't force a single punt the entire game. I mean, it was that bad on defense last year. All we're hoping for is that Ty Grantham can at least make them average, you know, make them not terrible. That's what we're hoping for as Mississippi State fans. If they can do that, you, you think the win total should go up at least by two next year, at the very least, if you can just get a defense That's serviceable on the field.
0: So getting into that defense, Mississippi State only returns 59% of 2016's defensive production. That's good for 85th nationally, and almost none is coming back on the defensive line. Of their 25 sacks last season, only six and a half return, and none are from defensive linemen. Shout out to Athlon Sports for that stat right there. Mississippi State brings in nine Juco kids, and five of those were defensive linemen. How much do you expect that those guys, or what is the expectation for those guys? Is it to just come in and play right away, in addition to a guy like Jeffrey Simmons, who is coming off a good freshman year? Are those guys expected to be immediate contributors?
1: Yeah, they are. I mean, that that is the linchpin to the season. I've talked about this on our site and on my podcast as well, that the the entire season is wrapped up in how these Juco guys perform once they come in, because if, if they can't, if, you know, four or five of these guys end up taking a year to get used to SEC speed and what it's like to play at the division one level, then it, Mr. State's not going to be any better than they were last year. These guys were brought in specifically for the purpose to kind of bridge the gap between, you know, this year and last year's recruiting class and, the future. So, I mean, that's what they're, that's what they're here for. If they don't pan out, if, I mean, you don't necessarily have to have every single one of them pan out and be instant producers, but you need probably at least six or seven of them to be instant producers because otherwise this defense is going to continue to struggle and won't, won't be any better. And the, the season won't go any better than it last year. They've got to get something out of those guys. That's why they were brought in to be, to be instant production. And if they're not, then it's going to be difficult for the Bulldogs to, compete at any level in the SEC
0: next year how big of a jump do you expect Simmons to take in his sophomore season I expect a pretty big jump I think from what we've heard from Todd Grantham just watching what he does
1: I think he's going to excel under Grantham I think that he's going to do a really nice job and he was an all SEC freshman last year and when he didn't play as much as I would have liked him to I honestly would have liked for them to just turn the defensive line the defensive end position or defensive tackle either he could play both I would have liked for them to have turn those positions over to him earlier in the season and just let him go, but I expect, I expect him to be one of the elite defensive line pass rushers in the SEC next year. I, uh, he's going to be playing, let's be honest, I mean, he was a five-star guy coming out, out of high school. He was a guy that was supposed to be considered a can't-miss prospect. He's looking to leave the SEC after his junior season and next year is the year that you have to make your mark if you're going to do that so I expect it to be a pretty big breakout for him.
0: Speaking of all SEC freshmen linebacker Leo Lewis returns after a stellar first season in Starkville had 57 tackles last year four and a half for loss and a sack to go along with it with him and Simmons how important especially with the uncertainty along pretty much the rest of the defensive line and in the secondary as well. How important is it that those two guys play as bona fide stars for that defense right from the get-go? No, it's
1: huge. Uh, Leo Lewis, I think, is going to be a Bernard McKinney type for for the Bulldogs. I, and I think he's going to have a ch- – I mean, he'll technically – he's only a sophomore, but he's a redshirt sophomore, so he'll have an opportunity to leave for the NFL draft After for this year. He probably could. I think he'd probably be smart for him to come back one more year unless it's just such an amazing season for him that uh, it'd be stupid for him to pass up. But I think he could play his way into a first or second round draft pick by the time he's a junior. So they need him because – it's like you said. They got a lot of guys. They're going to have a lot of new faces on this defense. They need him. They need Simmons. They need them to not only be what they were last year, but they need them to continue on their projector, on their trajectory, and continue their development and be the leaders on this defense. From what we've heard, they have been. Those are the two guys that are that people are looking to, and they're the ones that people are that the rest of the team is rallying around so i I expect big things out of both of them but especially leo lewis because like i said he could be draft eligible he's draft eligible after this season and if he has a big enough year he could go ahead and and take advantage of that but i would kind of lean forward to him coming back for at least one more year
0: so before we get into predictions for this season nick fitzgerald he's doing his thing right now he's going to put up more numbers in his second season as a starter you mentioned the uh, the four star kid they brought in last year's cl- or in this previous class in Katte and Thompson four star. And just the other day, another four star quarterback, two thousand eighteen Texas quarterback Jalen Maiden committed to Mississippi State. We're watching Dak Prescott tear it up in the NFL. And if he has another big season, how much of his success, not only in Mississippi State, but now in the NFL, has kind of established a pipeline at quarterback for the Bulldogs and Dan Mullen.
1: I mean, that's exactly what it's done. I mean, it's the reason that a guy like Jalen Maiden takes notice of Mississippi State and the reason that it, they're even on, in on another four-star quarterback out of Arkansas and Gary Bohannon. So the, the reason that these guys are, are looking at Mississippi State that never would have looked at Mississippi State, because if you look at Mississippi State's quarterback lineage, up until Dak Prescott, there really wasn't any. Uh, I mean, for years, we just hoped that our quarterback just wouldn't shoot us in the foot. And now, ever since Dak came, we've got guys that can actually contribute and be positive impacts and be difference makers out on the field. And that's the reason why, at least at the quarterback position, it may not, it may not go into any other position, but what Dak was able to do in the NFL at the Dallas Cowboys a season ago made people take notice of what Dan Mullen can do with a quarterback in his hands. I and mean, Nick Fitzgerald, and that's going to be what people are going to be looking at this year, is can Nick Fitzgerald make the same type of leap from his sophomore to his junior season that Dak made? Because if you, look at the, if you look at the two seasons, Nick Fitzgerald actually had a more impressive sophomore season than Prescott did. Now, he probably had more playing time, but nevertheless, people are going to start looking, hey, will he make that same type of leap? And if he can, then that only cements Dan Long's legacy as a quarterback guru, if you will, even further and you could see even more quarterbacks start to say hey i want to go play for that guy because that guy turns even uh, two and three star kids like nick fitzgerald
0: into superstars you talked about the quarterback lineage before dak prescott and this is totally off topic but man chris ralph was one of my (laughs) favorite like off the radar players of all time if you didn't watch mississippi state you probably have no idea who the hell chris ralph was But I was always bummed that he never turned into a superstar, because I always enjoyed watching him play.
1: I'm glad you brought up Chris Ralph, because Chris Ralph, as much as I love that Prescott, to me there is no greater success story for Dan Ballin as a college football quarterback coach than Chris Ralph. The fact that he was able to not only be not bad at quarterback, but to actually make a difference is astounding. Because if you looked at, if you watched him throw you'd be like, how in the world is this guy? Because he completed 60% of his passes one year. There's no way he should have been able to do that. He was, like I said, the fact that he is the most impressive job that Nick Dan Mullen has ever done, in my opinion. Yeah, Dak Prescott was rookie of the year last year as the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, but he had some raw tools there. He had some things to work with. Chris Relf didn't have anything to work with. I mean, everything he got Dan Mullen... He chipped away, he he found whatever he could and he got every single last ounce of ability out of Chris Ralph. It was amazing to watch that.
0: Yeah, shout out to the Chris Ralph, Chad Bumfus era <laughs> at Mississippi State. Definitely one of my favorites. So final question here. You look at the schedule and the SEC West, of course, it's, it's as brutal as it's always been. Home games against LSU and Alabama. Road games at Auburn, Georgia, A&M and Arkansas. And of course, an, another game against BYU this time at home, and the Egg Bowl, as always, to cap off the regular season. What do you think a fair expectation for this team is in 2017, and what do you expect them to do?
1: Uh, Fair expectation, I would say, is probably – I don't know if they put over-under numbers out at Vegas. They probably have. I would say it's probably going to be in the seven range, uh, either six-and-a-half, seven-and-a-half. I had to guess. I'd say that's probably fair – just based on the fact that you still don't know what this defense is going to be. If the I think the success level is going to be determined completely by how big of a jump forward or how little of a jump forward the defense makes this year. If the defense can make a jump into like, you know, the sixties nationally as opposed to the the one hundreds as they were last year. If they can do that, I think two or three more wins is very, very very reasonable. And you can see this team win eight or nine games. If they can't, they're going to struggle to get to six like they did last year. But I personally think the defense will be better enough to the point where seven is kind of like my bottom line expectations. But I could see eight, maybe nine with everything falls in the right uh, places for them next year.
0: Well, the Bulldogs, as always, should be a lot of fun to watch. And if you want to keep up with them, I recommend you do so by going to ForWhomTheCowbellTolls.com. And you can also find them on Twitter at M-State Sports. And if you want to find any of Justin's work, you can do so by following him on Twitter at JStrawnFWT.com. CT. He's also the host of It's Always Sunny in Starkville on BulldogSportsRadio.com. And you can find them on Twitter, at BulldogsRadio. And Justin, I want to say thank you for joining the show. And you fired me up about Mississippi <laughs> State football. I, I, I'm real excited to see what they do. It's always fun watching the Bulldogs in the SEC West.
1: I appreciate We're looking forward to it.
0: I want to thank Justin Strawn of For ForWhomTheCowBellTolls.com for joining the show once again, dropping some insight into Mississippi State Bulldogs football and what should be a pretty exciting season for them and a lot of fun things to watch, especially Nick Fitzgerald's second year at that quarterback spot. Also was very stoked to talk Chris Ralph. <laughs> I don't get to Speak about Chris Ralph basically with anybody. I think his name definitely gets forgotten, but I I thought it was cool that he mentioned how that kind of showcases Dan Mullen's ability to work with quarterbacks. Of course, Dak Prescott is going to get all the love for what he did with him at Mississippi State, and now watching him tear it up in the NFL, everybody's gonna focus on that, and rightfully so. But working with some of those other projects like Chris Relf and now Nick Fitzgerald, I think you get a real good sense into Dan Mullen's ability to develop all kinds of quarterbacks. And now you're starting to see that pay off on the recruiting trail where they are bringing in blue chip quarterbacks. And when you play in such a tough division, having a high-end quarterback can mitigate some of your other deficiencies so I think that Mississippi State while they may not be a team especially in the west with Alabama and LSU that goes to the SEC title game they're going to be in the running I think for you know third place fourth place especially with everything going on at Ole Miss and at Texas A&M and at Arkansas I think that Mississippi State's consistency is kind of what's going to set them apart from those other teams vying to play behind Alabama and LSU. So interesting to see if they're able to take another step up. That schedule is very hard though, but appreciate Justin strong for joining the show, dropping knowledge. Once again, make sure to go to for whom the cowbell to keep up with everything Bulldogs football. That's going to wrap it up for this episode though, but it is not the last you will hear from the two stripes podcast this week. Oh no. There are two more episodes dropping later on this week. So be on the lookout for those. And just as a preview, it'll be the USF Bulls going to talk Charlie Strong's first season down in Tampa and maybe the best mid-major school in 2017. And then later on in the week, going to have an episode about the North Carolina Tar Heels. UNC's always a fun team to preview and now that they're going to replace the second overall pick in the draft and Mitchell Trubisky kind of up in the air about where North Carolina is this season so I'm excited to talk with Tar Heel blog and figure out where the Tar Heels are at because it seems like every year people talk about him as a sleeping giant and they've had some success the past five or so years and now they're replacing a first round pick at quarterback and some other talent so interested to hear where North Carolina football stands heading into the 2017 season. If you want to hear those episodes, be sure to go to soundcloud.com slash two stripes pod. You can listen to those in every single one of the two stripes podcast episodes there that I've done over the past year. And then go to iTunes and search the Two Stripes podcast there and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. It'll be much appreciated by me and will help other college football fans find the show. Until then, though, I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of the Two Stripes Podcast. Hope you all had a great Memorial Day weekend and that you all prosper heading into June. My name is Colton Denning, and this has been the Two Stripes Podcast.